When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is iFanboy Special Edition, What If. Turn down for what? Welcome to my fanboy special edition. What if my name is Connor Kilpatrick? I'm here with Ryan Haupt. Hey, how's it going? I just finished listening to 800 and I don't know either. <laughs> and we are two thirds of the Animation Brain Trust. We're going to do it as a two legged tripod. And it's the show where we're going to talk about what if. There's your spoiler warning for the Disney Plus cartoon What If. Josh was like, hey, are you guys going to do a show about what if? I'd like to join if you are. And I was like, well, we hadn't talked about it, but if you want to. And then Paul was like, oh, yeah, I definitely want to do that. And then Paul had a family thing and Josh never finished it. So it's left to Ryan and I to talk about what if for you, the people of a fanboy. So what if was a nine episode animated series on Disney Plus featuring the voice talents of many of the stars of the films and many soundalikes. But yeah, I was going to say many, but only some. Well, you know, it's, it's actually a lot more than you would expect. But fewer than I wanted, which we'll get into. <laughs> so before we get into the show itself, Ryan, you're slightly younger than me, just slightly. Were you a What If fan? Like growing up, would you read the What If comics at all? Yes, but I will say What If the Distinguished Competition had a similar series called Elseworlds that Ryan was much more into. Yeah, I mean, they're basically the same thing. Yeah, they are. But I just, for whatever reason, I picked up so many more Elseworlds books than I ever picked up What If books. Mm -hmm. And so to me, the What If was always sort of the, also ran to the DC Elseworlds, which I imagine is the um, minority position on that matter. No, not necessarily. I mean, What If was like a dedicated series, you know, with numbers and things. Elseworlds were were occasional specials, but they were basically telling the same story, which are variations on a theme. The What If was more succinct, whereas... Elseworlds was like, hey, what if, uh, using the phrase, what if Superman landed in Moscow? What if Bruce Wayne got the Green Lantern ring instead of Hal Jordan? But it didn't ask the questions as much as what if did, which was more specifically about what if this thing in the the Marvel Universe happened differently? And it was always, almost always a really, really sad ending because the whole point of what if was to show that the reality at Marvel, you know, the, the status quo was the right thing. Whereas an observation I made about, I think I made this before on on the show about the Elseworlds, is that because the Elseworlds were usually like a graphic novel length, The Nail, or um, Mm -hmm. many of the other ones. They were at least prestige format size, so like double size. Right. The outcome was almost always better, which led me to a point of frustration of just like, wait, so you're saying it would have been better if Superman was raised by the Amish? (laughs) Whereas the what if on the Marvel side, it's like, like you said, it reinforced the status quo, which for better or worse is, is an interesting. So it was like, what if Spider-Man joined the Fantastic Four and that would end badly? Or what, one of my favorite ones as a kid is what if Steve Rogers became president 
or as Captain America became president, and he ends up getting assassinated. And or what if Spider Man had stopped the criminal, so he never got the Uncle Ben in motivation, so he stayed a jerk. Like it always ended up being like, oh, a tragedy. Someone someone else dies, or the hero dies, and the Watchers like, see, the real Marvel is the best Marvel. So. I love What If as a kid. I love those alternate take stories. And so when I heard they were doing What If Cartoon, I got excited. And then they said, the What If Cartoon is going to be all about the movies. I was at first annoyed. Then I went, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, no one's going to read What If uh, Atlantis Attacks Went Another Way. Like, no one's going to watch that. But they're going to watch what something about the movie. So I get it. I understand. I let that annoyance go. So let's talk about it on the whole, Ryan. What did you think overall as a, as a high level before we dive into specifics? Interesting, but... Ultimately middling. First of all, it's an anthology for a while. Which, I mean, name an anthology that's not uh, on some level middling. Like, that's unfortunately the curse of the anthology. You're going to get various quality. I thought on the whole this was okay. I got kind of bored in the middle. Yeah. I actually fell behind a couple of weeks. I fell behind like three weeks. I didn't realize it was over and I watched the last three and I was like, oh, I think that was it. It wasn't appointment viewing like with the previous... Disney Plus Marvel shows, WandaVision, and Loki, I was excited for the next episode every week and and would take time out of my day to make sure I I got to sit down and watch it with Julie. And with this, I was just kind of like, oh yeah, another What If came out. I should probably check that out, I guess. I mean, I I liked watching it on Wednesdays, but then at some point, like, I got derailed. I don't know if it it was baseball playoffs or what, but all of a sudden it was like, oh, I forgot about What If. But I want to say on the whole, I had fun watching it. And there were some episodes I really liked. There was a couple I really liked. But I think the biggest mistake... Well, there's two things I think were mistakes. One is the first two episodes are basically the same episode, which was the question was, what if one character was another character? But I also felt like the first two episodes were stronger than most of the rest of the season. Yes, I liked the first two a lot. I was just saying, like... You watch the first one, what if Sharon Carter became Captain Britain instead of... Well, they didn't call her Captain Britain. They should have called her Captain Britain. Captain Carter instead of Steve Rogers. Uh, she was not given Excalibur by Merlin, so <laughs> she is not Captain Britain. I think we all know that. And the second episode was what if T'Challa became Star-Lord. And so I was like, so is this going to be the whole show? We're we just going to swap characters? I just think they shouldn't have done them back-to-back. Which is not completely antithetical to the what if, because there is sort of a... There's like, what if Peter Parker became the Punisher because he was so mad about Uncle Ben? What if Johnny Storm became Ghost Rider? You know, like there's, there's, it, that is a trope of the what if series. I would say it's more of a trope of Elseworlds, but I, I understand your point. I just think they shouldn't have started off the first two with the exact same conceit. They could have mixed it up a bit. I realize they were trying to time it out for something, but you could have the, the third episode be the second episode. It wouldn't have been. Fun. Maybe the missing episode is was supposed to be number two in between. So. You know, you go through these stories, there's the Captain Carter story, there's the Star-Lord story, there's a Doctor Strange story, there's a Thor story. You're skipping one that I do want to touch on, however briefly we touch on it. There's the, what if all the Avengers were killed before they became the Avengers? Then there's the Doctor Strange one, then there's zombies, then there's Killmonger plus Tony Stark, then there's Party Thor. Post yeah. Actually, first MCU introduction of post-Quita Thor. Yeah, and then... It, it must be said. And then, and then the whole thing happens. So, I... I really didn't like the fact that they came together in the end. I don't think I should have been so surprised. I was like, oh, they're doing this? Oh. It's just like, you know, do the anthology. Don't make, yep. You don't need to make it a shared universe thing, yep. even though that's your brand. Correct. And I had fun watching the final episode. I thought it was, it was a fun episode, but... It was unnecessary. It's just like, okay, I don't really need these people to team up. But I'm looking through the list here. The first one, Captain Carter episode was fun. 
even though there's a huge mm-hmm. plot hole in it. There's some plot holes through and through. T'Challa, a Star-Lord was super fun. I really let Chadwick Boseman voice T'Challa for his final role. Really got to have fun with it, which I thought was terrific. But that's part of where it not being a true anthology also hurts it because I watched that episode thinking, okay, this is Chadwick's final performance as T'Challa and then he keeps showing up in a way that it almost undermines the power that that episode could have had had they not just left it alone right so then uh we had what if the world lost the mightiest heroes i thought that was a weak one so weak it was a weird one uh what if dr strange lost his heart to his hands that was where he basically keeps trying to manipulate time to save his girlfriend from dying in the car crash it was all right yeah, that one was weird because in the actual movie, his relationship with Rachel McAdams is never brought to any sort of close that I'm just like, did we need a whole episode? I about- didn't remember what happened. Yeah. She helps him do the, the astral surgery. And then as far as I remember, that's it. I don't remember her doing anything beyond that point. Honestly, film, I remember so. very little about the film itself. So she died in the film? No, she didn't. But um, the film is, what if Tony Stark, but magic and the special effects department had gotten an extra 10 years of development from Iron Man? Thoughts about what if zombies? Which isn't a question. I'd just like to point out. Um, it was fun, but the end. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, like, it, was, it was kind of dumb and fun, but you're right. It's not a what if. This was one where I didn't mind that it was dark, but I also... It makes more sense in con- in the context of it being a shared universes mm-hmm. show, and I think it would have worked better if it hadn't been setting up payoffs to come down the line. Yeah, so five and six, that's where I sort of got bored. Five was zombies, six was Killmonger and Tony Stark, and that's when I stopped. Seven, eight, nine, I watched together. So that's like five and six I thought were kind of dull. I didn't really care. Then that was a long break, and then I, then I went back. And I enjoyed What If Thor were Rolling Show. I thought it was a fun one. You know, I, I liked that they got to sort of break off and do sort of comedy with it. And then it becomes the whole story with Ultron. What if Ultron won? And in, in that episode, he realizes there's a multiverse, and he sees the Watcher. And then Nine happens where the Watcher has to bring together his multiverse Avengers to defeat Ultron. And uh, along the way, he gets to do Kung Fu against Ultron, which uh, was a very weird thing to watch. It was very weird. Can we do a quick plot hole corner? Sure. Plot hole corner, it's established in Loki that the Infinity Stones only work in their own universe, so shouldn't Ultron have been completely depowered once he left his own universe to try to attack the Watcher in the in-between space? Uh, Which they then bring up again in the finale when Gamora tries to destroy the Infinity Stones and her machine can't destroy them because her Infinity Crusher is from a different universe but if that was the case then shouldn't again ultron's infinity stones not have continued working my big one was the first episode where they go rescue the tesseract it's been a long time trying to remember the exact details the the whole mission in the beginning is to go they use the the tesseract to power steve's super suit and then at the end somehow the bad guys have it again the post credits no 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 i mean the, the, the big fight was they go and red skull has it again yeah so like how did he get it again Right. So anyway, I have one last one last one. Very brief. Yeah. So as far as I understand, the one thing the Watcher cannot do is interfere, and it seems like he interferes. At but is, it, is that his own this. his own ethos, or is it like a physical rule he's breaking? No, I'm just, I'm, I was mostly just being silly. But obviously, I, I, the whole I, I don't know. I don't know. 
In my mind, people often like like to refer to Asimov's laws of robotics. You know, there are three laws of robotics and that the robots cannot harm humans and all sorts of stuff. And it's like the only reason as a, as a storyteller you set up those rules is to find the limits of those rules where you can bend and break them in ways that are interesting. And so obviously that's what the Watcher's rule of he can never interfere is. And so it doesn't bother me that the Watcher interferes. It just has to be earned. And I think if anything, this show did a decent job of earning it. It's just, I don't know if the payoff after earning it was... Well, it's also good. the joke, right, that the Watcher always says I can't interfere but seems to always somehow interfere but right he can't help himself and I will say I love Jeffrey Wright as the watcher well let's talk about the voices I thought a lot of the voices were strong Jeffrey Wright was was a terrific watcher as we said earlier you had a lot of the actors you had uh, Chadwick Boseman you had Jeremy Renner you had Frank Grillo you had Denai Guri you had Samuel L. Jackson you had Benedict Cumberbatch Clark Gregg Michael Rooker, Josh Brolin, Benicio del Toro, Kurt Russell, Ruffalo, Karen Gillan, Michael B. Jordan, Sebastian Shan, Sean Gunn, Chris Hemsworth. So you had look, you had a lot of a lot of the original cast. You had Hiddleston, Sean Gunn, yep, Natalie Portman, Kat Dennings. So you had you had most of the people: Evangeline Lilly, Stanley Tucci, Dominic Cooper, Jeff Goldblum, Ugh, Paul Rudd, Tucci, Paul Don Rudd, Cheadle. Jeff Go- Jeff Goldblum. They got Goldblum. Who you didn't have was you didn't have Robert Downey Jr. You didn't have Chris Evans. You didn't have Scarlett Johansson, which is not surprising. Yeah, not surprising, but for me was the big standout lacking role, I think. So I thought the voice acting was strong. You're getting a much more fun Thor with Chris Hemsworth in this one. Like I said earlier, you're getting a really fun Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, who's more of a swashbuckler. I thought those were really fun. It was nice to hear those different characterizations. But... You know, the missing ones were a whole. I saw this pointed out online. A lot of the roles that were not reprised by their original characters. So Betty Ross, Carol Danvers, Pepper Potts, Shuri, Black Widow, a lot of the female characters. And obviously there's the whole issue with Scarlett Johansson suing Disney for Mm -hmm. the way that Black Widow is released. So I wonder how much of the casting here had to do with sort of internal issues that were happening behind the scenes with the way that big corporations and studios compensate their female actresses relative to their male actors. And that's just, I don't know. It feels weird not to acknowledge that as we... A lot of the female actors played their roles. But it feels like there were more, in terms of the male actors that they couldn't or didn't choose to get back for, you know payment or timing or rights or whatever basically they had ross marquand who's an amazing impressionist doing uh johan smith slash red skull which he did in, in the, the avengers infinity war slash Endgame. Yep. and they also had him doing ultron and all the ultron yeah. voices not good and then they had somebody else doing spider-man right and they had somebody else doing drax david batista right and i saw david batista i think tweeted or said in some interview that like he was never even approached Right. And asked if he would be willing to do a couple of lines to voice that character because he's not in a lot of it. And, you know, I kept thinking while the show was airing, quote unquote, uh, week by week, you know, there's only a few scenes where Thanos is saying anything. So, like, Mm -hmm. that's the same episode Drax is in. So is... Josh Brolin in this episode because Thanos is going to come back later and it's going to be, he had more meat on the bone that it was worth bringing in Josh Brolin to do this role because he's coming back later versus Drax. Maybe they just needed one line. So they hired an impressionist and that never materialized in any way. Like they have Kurt Russell doing ego and all of his scenes are with Peter Quill. Who's not voiced by Chris Pratt. And it just, it was a little weird 
Especially when the entire premise of the show is... My understanding when they announced the show was like, well, it's going to be cheaper to do this show if we only bring them in to do their voices, not to do full-on acting. Well, that was, they were never going to do that. But to me, it hurts the final product when like, the premise of the show is, is predicated upon, won't it be cool if all the actors who did the live-action movies are here doing the animated version? Eh, and, I mean, and, the reality is that you're not going to get those big ones. They're not going to care. So they have to work around that. I'm just looking through the cast list. And I'm not seeing a lot of replacement female actresses for the characters. Carol Danvers is a big part of the Thor episode, and it's not voiced by Brie Larson. Right, but she's a big star. Like, the big stars didn't do it. I don't have any point other than to make the observation that it seems like there were more replacements amongst the female characters than the male characters. I don't know if that means anything. Just an observation. That's all. It's the same as Chris Evans and Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland. And I mean, but those all stood out to me in a way that took me out of the show. Mm-hmm. So this, the first episode, you know, Steve Rogers not being voiced by Chris Evans. Whoever was voicing him did a good job in having Haley Atwell there doing Peggy mm-hmm. Carter, I thought, covered up for a lot of it. But Black Widow, integral part of the series, especially once it comes together as a shared universe show. So the fact that, like... It's Lake Bell doing her best impression of Scarlett Johansson. Lake Bell's great. She's an excellent voice actress, but it just sounded off enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And all to have, all like, of them were off, and that's just, I mean, that's just the reality. And the, and the, same, for, the same for Tony Stark and the same for Captain Marvel, yeah. where it's like, I don't know how these sorts of productions work, but it feels like if the writers had known which actors they had versus which they didn't, they could have written around some of these episodes to make it that it wasn't a third of an episode a third of an episode is thor and captain marvel fighting but it's not captain marvel's voice but it is thor's voice i think you might be over import import the voices like i think they're they're going to do these characters and if they can't get the voices they do they'll do sound effects and move on i'm only over importing it which is i don't think is a phrase but i'll follow it i'm just creating it right now but i'm only doing that because like to me that's the promise of the show is that Mm -hmm. like we're going to do alternate stories using the same actors and actresses you came to know and love in the in the live action series so that's all which is, which is interesting because when they first announced it and I, the premise i was surprised any of them should have. i thought they were all going to be different voices just because the nature of these people's time and, and, and right and i mean i and part of this is probably pandemicness. i think the pandemic has screwed up so much of hollywood production as we know it no definitely not it's very easy to record from home it's just they didn't want to do it no, that's fine so what's going on with the missing episode i don't know anything about that there's clearly an episode missing from this season. <laughs> Why? Is that something you know or you read about or are you just guessing? It's a mix of all three. It's nine episodes instead of ten. And the final episode introduces a Gamora and a Tony Stark that seem to have had an entire story mm. on their own, separate from what we've seen. They're on Nidavellir and it's, it's Tony in a space armor and Gamora in armor that looks like it's been refashioned from Thanos and they refer to her having killed there. There's a lot of references to like, well, you're the Gamora that killed Thanos. And so it seems like there is a, a Gamora and um, Tony Stark in the guardians story that is missing from this season. That could be, that could definitely be. I honestly didn't notice, but probably because of the three weeks I took off, I probably just thought that must've happened in a previous episode. And I just didn't it did not. <laughs> just a, lot, a lot of the episodes I lost the details of after I watched them. I just forgot totally. I do want to mention the animation. So let's talk about that. It's very much a... It's kind of got like a Don Bluth flavor plus, you know, motion capture plus like sort of video gaming. What did you think? I thought the action was terrific. I thought they did a really great job with the fight scenes and the choreography of all the action. But 
you know, just the talking could be bad. The you know the yeah. The, so it's I think the the style is cell shaded. Yeah, which I'm, I'm not totally sure what that means, but it, I kind of know it when I see it. <laughs> right. If that if that helps, I. L- before I watched the first episode, everyone on Twitter was talking about how, like, oh my god, the animation in the first episode is amazing. And I watched it, and I'm like, this is very good. I'm not sure that it's, like, a step forward in what animation looks like these days. But it's very good. It's very entertaining, and I liked it a lot. I think it looked super polished. It was fluid with the fight sequences. You're right that the fight sequences were amazing, and the talking sequences were less impressive, so in preparation for this for this episode, I rewatched the finale just because uh-huh. I couldn't quite remember how everything wrapped up. Yeah. And so I wanted to, to remind myself of that, which is one of the reasons the Gamora and space sure. Tony Stark thing stood out so much. Yep. And the finale leans super heavy into like Kirby Crackle and some mm-hmm. really cool elements that I like how they break apart the universes in, in sort of, it's not breaking the fourth wall because they're not looking at us, but they're breaking the, the fourth wall of reality, if that makes sense. Yeah, right. And I like how they do that stuff. And I think it all looks very nice, but it didn't feel revolutionary, I guess, in the way that people on Twitter made me think it was. But, you know, Connor, I just, it's it's weird that people on Twitter would overblow something and it wouldn't quite live up to what it really was. I like the way it looked. My problems aside with faces not necessarily matching the emotions or you're definitely not even coming close to the words being said is one thing, but I did like it. I thought it was interesting. It didn't look like other things. It doesn't look like the DC movies we watched. Like it had its own style and flavor. And like I said, I was really impressed with the choreography, especially like when hand-to-hand fighting was a thing. I thought that was really well done. So I liked watching it. I thought it looked really, really good. Was it perfect? No. Did it have problems? Yes. But overall, I thought it was a fun choice. You know, the characters, for the most part, didn't really look like their movie counterparts. But I don't know if that's another rights issue or not. But in some cases, I kind of liked the way Natasha looked. She looked more like a comic book self than she looked like Scarlett Johansson. That's true. The only character I thought sort of the the model and the voice didn't quite work as well is Thor. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I don't know why that is. Maybe it's he looked more like the early MCU iteration of Thor where Chris Hemsworth wasn't allowed to be as funny as he actually right. is. But he was voicing it in the way of the late stage Thor where he looks scruffier and like he, he didn't. So that was the only one that was sort of a disconnect for me with the voice and the character model. Yeah, I mean, the whole, I thought, I, I didn't lose my mind over it. I saw people, you know, I talked about this on the Hangout. Like, I saw people saying they should replace the regular movies with this animation. It's like, it's, it, was, it looked good, but it didn't look that good. I enjoyed the parts where the sequence in the animated show mimicked what had happened in the live-action movies. So, like, when Peggy Carter is jumping out of the plane... And she does the same moves that Steve does before he hits the water and jumps up out of the, the aircraft carrier or destroyer or whatever it was. Like, those were cool. It was it was fun to see them play in the same sandbox in a way where you could, you know, see how, like, this other character could do the same sort of thing. But it wasn't mind-blowing, but it was interesting and it was cool to see. Yeah. I think, I mean, overall, it was fine. Like, I didn't, it didn't blow my socks off, but I enjoyed watching it. For the most part, there was some clunkers, but at the end of the day, it was fine. It's certainly a step up from Marvel animations we've watched in the past. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if those are in the conversation at this point. Right. What's your thought on, like, okay, so I guess it's a big deal that this is part of the actual, actual, quote-unquote, MCU. Oh, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I don't care about That's that. That's fine. 
I don't care either. I don't. I, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care. It doesn't matter. Nothing's going to tie in. You know, they're not going to tie anything into this what if cartoon in the movies. This is not the way it works. I agree. I just wanted to bring it up as a like I mentioned in the beginning. Like at first, I was like annoyed that they had to tie it all into everything that's already tied into everything, and it couldn't just exist on its own. But I get it. That's how they all make a lot of money. Is they've created this giant thing, so it makes sense that they would tie it in. It was fun in the beginning when it was just alternate stuff from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but then by the end when it became a whole situation, I was like, okay. Yeah, I agree. And you held on longer than I did. By episode three, where what if the world lost its mightiest heroes when mm. all the Avengers assassinated? I was like, well, that was just, that's like an episode of what if the, the interesting things that happened didn't happen? I'm like, well, then I wouldn't be interested because <laughs> right, the things that right. happened were interesting. Right. And the third one was bad. The third one was bad. It was. It, but really that was the one sense. that kind of broke me. Yeah. And then, like, the Doctor Strange lost his heart instead of his hands. The fourth one, you know, what if Doctor yep. Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? We didn't do a Loki show, so I didn't get a chance to talk about this, but I've talked about it with Paul and other folks. I am a sucker for reality-bending shows to the point where, like, this is a super specific thing that I'm interested in. I'm interested in, like, time and space collapse into a single point and lonely astronauts are sad because they'll never talk to humanity again. And, mm-hmm. and, and so because of this thing that I'm into Loki as a show worked very well for me mm-hmm. and I didn't love the episode. What if Dr. Strange lost his heart instead of his hands? But the fact that the ending was him getting folded into a pocket universe of his own making, I was like, Oh, well, that's a cool ending. And I didn't expect it to come back into play. And then they released, and I know you don't watch trailers, but they released like yeah. a mid-season trailer that showed that evil Doctor Strange comes back. And I was like, huh, well, that's kind of cool. And so they kind of built up the idea of a multiverse team ensemble well enough that like it kept me on the hook. Like I might have dropped the show after episode four, if mm-hmm. not for some of the way they marketed it. Uh-huh. So maybe that's a, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Plus. I mean, look, it's, it's entirely in the realm of possibility that in some future state, they would bring a character into a live action. I would be very surprised because this is a very small part of their world. And to expect someone who goes to a movie to know that there's a dark Doctor Strange out there would be, I think, a bridge too far. But at the same time, we know the next... So what, what, are, what are the next MCU movies? We, we got... Well, uh, Eternals coming up. And then Spider-Man... And the Spider-Man movie is a multiverse movie. Right. So maybe. And the next Doctor Strange movie is a multiverse movie. It's possible in that sense they'll do it because it's such a specific character thing. But I'd have a hard time other than like a wink and a nod to this. But whatever, it's not important. And I guess one thing to clarify at this Mm -hmm. point, you and I have still not seen Shang-Chi. No, not yet. I've not seen it either. I'm just making it. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen it. Just so the viewers know that we haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So listen, at the end of the day, interesting experiment. It shows some promise. A second season's already expected for next year. So I guess we'll see what happens. So what would be your ideal what if? Oh, I don't know. I mean, my ideal what if would be stuff from the comics, but they're not going to do that, obviously. They might. We'll see. Let's do ratings on what if. Ratings. The whole series? The whole series as a whole. Season one of what if ratings what's your criteria what do you this is my first time doing it's hard to do a season you have to say your overall feeling on it. like what is your like you you finish the season it's like oh, okay what is that as a whole what is that as a thing that, that happened i'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five hmm. i enjoyed it 
It had fun moments. It had moments I didn't like. I got bored in the middle. I dropped off it for three weeks. But I eventually came back and I enjoyed the last bits. The second to last two, the last one was okay, but I didn't like the idea of it. So I think overall it's three and a half. I'm going to say, because I've made this mistake so many times in doing ratings for this mm-hmm. iFanboy shared podcast universe, what if the ratings were letter grades instead of numbers? <laughs> okay. And I'm going to give B minus. All right. That's close to it. It's between a B minus and a C plus. So the B minus is my generous side. All right. So that's What If Season 1. We'll be back soon at some point with a review of Injustice, the latest DC Universe animated original film. Don't know when that's going to happen, but we just got to find time to do it and get it into into the pipeline of podcasts we have coming out. There's a lot of them. We got special editions coming eventually on Shang-Chi. When it's Disney Plus, we'll have an Eternals one this year. And who knows what else will come along. And then, in, in addition to our weekly pick of the week show, where we look at the week's comics. I heard the tagline for that. The next upcoming DC animated film is What If There Wasn't Justice? <laughs> so, oh God, what if Superman killed the Joker? I guess that's what it is. So, we'll be back. And until next time, I'm Connor. What if I wasn't back? I'm Ryan. <laughs>